Thank you. I gave you my radio voice. You did? I noticed that. Hi, everybody. It's Adam Shartoff, the host of Film Wax Radio. It's Tuesday, August 25th, 2020, and this is episode 631. And you're probably saying, well, you just posted a show the other day with Michael Almereda, and it's now Tuesday. Why are you posting a bonus episode? Because I have an answer for you, because... Well, I have the ultimate Film Wax Radio guest, meaning the, the one of the people who uh, I thought, when I get this person on the podcast, I can kind of quit if I wanted to, and I would feel like I've accomplished what I was set out, setting out to accomplish. This is a milestone. On this episode is none other than Werner Herzog. I've been wanting to uh, have this guy on my podcast since I started, and, and you know, the, regardless of how... Many times I feel like I probably botched this interview. You're going to hear it in its entirety. And you could actually watch it, by the way, on uh, the Filmbox Radio YouTube channel as well. It's there right now. Uh, You can watch the video of our Zoom conversation. And um, I just had to own that, that the bar was really high. And I just did the best I could do, considering the sheer amount of... I mean, if I had had months to prepare even though I've had years and years to prepare and I've seen like most every film he's made and seen him in many, give many talks or Q and A's and lecture. I've seen Werner Herzog on, on one stage or another, at least half a dozen times. I, I think. So, I mean, I, I done all the preparation, I, I think, but uh, you know, then you get him on. I was a nervous wreck. I, I mean, I, I, I was just intimidated. It's not that he, sets out to intimidate he doesn't but it's like this guy has made so many incredible films and he's so intense and he he lives on a scale that's you know and thinks on a scale that's a bit intimidating so i i you know i got to get out of my own way better that's what i've taken away from this i have to i have to learn how to believe in uh myself on another level because i thought i was pretty confident but you know Maybe there's, I've still have some quite a few uh, things to learn. But anyway, having said all that and made all those apologies and excuses, I can say that it's still an entertaining conversation. This is the, the this is the man. This is the maestro. This is Werner Herzog, the guy started making films in the early '60s, uh, and and rose up, was now uh, affectionately referred to as the German New Wave of the uh, '70s. He, uh, of course, has made countless documentaries and feature narratives um i wouldn't know where to begin i can't again i can say i've seen most of them and i think that what made him put him on the map and made him a global phenomenon was probably Fitzgeraldo in 1982 and i remember i tell him about this a little bit but i remember my parents coming home after having seen it and talking about that movie their description of this film this epic uh planted a seed in my head that has fertilized into uh, a veritable garden, if you will, of uh, interest, of, 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 
of love of his films. I look forward to each one. They're not all enormous films. Sometimes they're smaller films. They're still epic on a certain level in terms of the themes, but they are it's so varied, although you can see the through line if you've seen enough of his films. So we're primarily here to talk about his latest documentary, and it's called Nomad in the Footsteps of Bruce Chatwin, where Werner Herzog travels the globe to reveal a deeply personal portrait of his friendship with the late travel writer. See, it says it right in the notes. And by the way, I refer to him as a travel writer, and I was chastised by, by Herzog. I mean, you know, gladly. I mean, I'd love, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be in the position where I'm being chastised by, uh, by him. But shouldn't he have talked to his own publicists? After all, you're going to hear it. But here it is. Werner Herzog travels the globe to reveal a deeply personal portrait of his friendship with the late author, Bruce Chatwin. It says travel writer, but I'm changing it. A kindred spirit who dedicated his life to illuminating the mysteries of the world. Herzog turns the camera on himself and his decades-long friendship with the uh, writer, Bruce Chatwin. Again, it says late travel writer in there. I'm just saying. I'm not going to keep pounding, you know, hitting this over the head with this stuff. But I, I feel like, you know, you'll see in a minute when he comes on. That, that he made a big deal out of the fact that uh, that Bruce Chatwin, that it was reductive to call Bruce Chatwin a travel writer. I feel like maybe that the, I don't know, readerships or publishing companies or all the above have made the term travel writer reductive, not me. What's wrong with being a travel writer? And why should it just only mean somebody who, who tells you how to spend $5 a day when you visit Manila? I don't know. I mean, uh, I just feel like... You know, travel writing can encompass a whole entire number of things, correct? So Bruce Chatwin, kindred spirit, whose uh, quest for ecstatic truth uh, carried him to all corners of the globe. Herzog's deeply personal portrait of Chatwin, illustrated with archival discoveries, film clips, and a mound of brontosaurus skin, and you'll get that as soon as you see the film, encompasses their shared interest in aboriginal cultures, ancient rituals, and the mysteries stitching together life on Earth. It is going to be available, uh, a part of a virtual cinema, on the Film Forum website. So go to filmforum.org and do that as of tomorrow, Wednesday, August 26th, 2020. Go there, support independent cinema, art house cinema, world cinema. All right. And then if you want, I, if you have not seen, I just run through these really quick. Uh, we make reference to Grizzly Man. I don't know if you've seen it. We make reference to My Best Fiend, which is his quote-unquote love letter back in uh, uh, 1999 to his um, friend. I don't know. <laughs> his frequent star, Klaus Kinski. you got to watch it if you've never seen it. If you've never seen Little, Little Dieter Needs to Fly, it, that was made in 1997. Watch that. I'm, I'm just making some recommendations of things that blew me away. I've already mentioned Fitzcarraldo. And if you've never seen the documentary about uh, Fitzcarraldo, it's also a great companion. It's called Burden of Dreams. And that is, of course, by the great documentary filmmaker, Les Blank. But it, it's not a uh, Werner Herzog movie. But he was there shooting 
the making of this film. It's it's remarkable. So see, if you haven't seen Fitzcarraldo, or if it's been many years, go back and watch Fitzcarraldo, and then watch Burden of Dreams as a companion. They're both available, by the way, on the Criterion channel, I'm pretty sure, because they're both in the Criterion collection. So back to some recommendations. Of course, Aguirre, you have to see that. Uh, I mean, if you haven't seen Aguirre, I said that Fritz Geraldo put him on the map on a global scale, but maybe Aguirre did that. They both star Klaus Kinski. And what's interesting is is that originally, when they were starting to shoot Fritz Geraldo, it was Jason Robards in the lead role, and Mick Jagger was his sidekick. And because of there was uh, extreme weather, they had like monsoons where they were shooting in the Amazon, and they had to stop production. I think that's what happened. Uh, and then the schedules got all screwed up, so Jason Robarts had to back out, and then Mick Jagger backed out uh, due to conflict. So the he was replaced. Jason Robarts was replaced by Klaus Kinski, who I think did you know an incredible, incredible job. I mean, the guy, <sighs> Klaus Kinski, crazy stuff. There's so many more. Uh, I don't want to take up too much more time from this show, from this episode, from this segment coming up, but. Take it upon yourself to explore the oeuvre that is Werner Herzog's films, uh, and and uh, I didn't I barely scratched the surface there. Okay, so again, the name of the new documentary about the writer, the author Bruce Chatwin, is again available tomorrow, Wednesday, the twenty sixth, on the Film Forum website, exclusively there for the moment, and then and and explore the catalog after that. Oh, and I wanted to mention, we also did discuss Meeting Gorbachev, which was a recent documentary, came out a couple of years ago, which was also a, a great one of his documentaries, uh, very moving, which I think is, like he said, it was going to be available soon on, on, on cable. I can't remember which channel he mentioned, but it's in the podcast. It's in the podcast. Uh, so you can just, and, and there's more films coming out in this later this year and into next year. By Herzog, he even at this point in his life, he's going to be turning uh, eighty in September of 2022. But there's no signs of him slowing down. Even with the pandemic going on, it seems as though he's busy as ever. Okay, here we go. This is a, a, a landmark for for Filmwax Radio and for me personally. Here it is: my conversation with Werner Herzog here on Film Wax Radio. Bruce Chetwin was a writer like no other. He would craft mythical tales into voyages of the mind. We were kindred spirits. I'm going to read what Bruce writes about you. Immensely tough, yet vulnerable, austere and sensual. Yes, but I'm not the protagonist. Yeah, the pro- no, no, okay. no, no. Protagonist is Bruce Chetwin. Bruce was a nomad, but he was always drawn back to this place. His inner landscape. His inner landscape, yeah. Landscape of his soul. I think so. Australia was where our paths crossed for the first time. Bruce was researching for his book, The Song Lines. The Australian Aboriginals have this idea that the whole of the land is covered with song. Lines that were formed by dreams and by song. It's a wonderful mystery. 
Nomads always fascinated Bruce Chatwin. The hands of these long gone people, the longer you look, the more unreal, the more mysterious they become. Bruce Chetwin was searching for strangeness. He was like a kind of fiery ball of light connecting countries, people, obscure pieces of knowledge. He was the internet. All these tribal cultures are in their last days. When the last songman passes, something profound's gonna happen. The world reveals itself to those who travel on foot. Can you see me? I can see you. Uh, I can see you. You're very handsome. Such a pleasure to finally uh, meet you. What, where are you? Yeah, where are you? Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, I'm up. Uh, no, I'm in New York State, a little north of New York City. I'm one of those uh, people that that uh, fled. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Peace for the time. At least yeah, for the yeah. time being. Are you? Have you been primarily quarantining for for a while? Can I ask? Yes, I'm, <clears throat> I'm disciplined. <laughs> it's the German or Bavarian strain. Oh, just really, gonna... it's common. No, no, it's it's common sense. Well said. Yeah, I agree with you. What should I call you, Mr. Herzog? Is that? What do you prefer? Yeah, well, no, it's it's okay. Just okay. go ahead. All right, I'm, my name's Adam. Anyway, so I was going through some of my favorites of yours because I like to watch your movies, you know, or films I like a lot over and over, over time. So this is one of my favorites. Little Dieter Needs to Fly and then Grizzly Man and My Best Fiend, among others. So I, I, I have them. And now I have a new one to add to it, which is uh, Nomad. Yeah, but you're, all, you're only speaking about the docu some documentaries. Well, real work, feature films. I know, but I was kind of trying to maybe focus today on, on I mean, I could do a 10 hours with you on, on your narrative films. In fact, you know, one was based on a work by Bruce Chatwin. So you've yes, been, yeah. right? Uh, Cobra Verde? Yes. Yeah, one of your, one of the great films. I was thinking a lot about, about what the appeal and I'm sure there were lots of reasons why you connected so deeply with Bruce Chatwin. But I, I thought about your films and him, and I was thinking that he was this conduit to asking these big questions about the universe and humanity, our purpose here, and all these questions that kind of cons consumed, have consumed you. Is that fair to say? Yeah, well, we, I think we had a, a very similar worldview, and because of that, it was easy to meet on a specific wavelength, and <clears throat> that uh, didn't need any introduction. Mm -hmm. You see, when we when we met, <clears throat> which was in Australia, we had an immediate rapport, and in fact, I picked him up at the airport in Melbourne, where he was not meant to fly, he was flying back from Central Australia via Sydney to England. And I said to him, in a bizarre uh, coincidence, so I made contact with him and I said, no, 
just <laughs> make a stop over in Melbourne. And uh, from the moment I picked him up, we started to tell stories. It was a true marathon mm-hmm. of non-stop storytelling. <coughs> so, uh, and, and we didn't need any introduction to each other. He carried in his rucksack, um, which he gave me later when he yeah. died, he carried my uh, book uh, of walking in ice without knowing he would run into me. Yeah, it's remarkable. You have the rucksack. Is it with you in, in Los Angeles? Speaking of which, the it's rucksack? Here, two arm lengths away from me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, it's not a, you see, it's not a souvenir. It's not a... It's not something symbolic. I use it. It's, so it accompanies me when I'm out. out yeah, there. and when you're doing treks, the rucksack, the rucksack uh, <clears throat> was most helpful when in Patagonia when I did uh, Scream of Stone. I was caught on a on a high ridge, inaccessible uh, for mountain climbers in a blizzard. And uh, we had to dig, we were three men, we had to dig a, an ice cave quickly so to survive. Not much larger than a barrel, a, a big wine barrel. And we spent there 55 hours. Yeah. And so, but, but I sat on Chatwin's rucksack, which gave some isolation um, to the ice on which I was sitting. Yeah, it was it was helpful. It was uh, a great thing to have. It's it's a piece of equipment that I use. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. It's, you you talk about it in in the film. In fact, there's a um, it plays a char- almost like a character in the film, the rucksack. Yeah, but you don't you don't talk about it nostalgically. You don't talk about you don't seem to be nostalgic. Is that am I wrong to say that or because you refer to something which somebody else may have picked up the rucksack uh, right and 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 embraced it and been brought to tears talking about it and memories of bruce who you know passed away many years ago now that doesn't seem to be what you're about though well i'm not uh, i'm not tearful i know what we have lost when he died too early and everybody who reads his books knows it. And uh, otherwise, uh, we always had a, a very pragmatic sort of relationship, which went very, very deep sometimes. So at the same time, we were very cautious with each other. Yeah. Um... We were not friends. We were not. We were not buddies who would go out to the bar and yeah. uh, and raise hell in town or something. Not not that kind of friendship. What kind of friendship uh, would you just uh, sort of a, a, a just this? Uh, I guess it, it comes through in the film. I mean, this you have these common passions and questions. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that preoccupies you both, right? Or preoccupied you yeah. both. Kindred spirit. Right, kindred spirits, uh, and then uh, in our worldview, we had uh, uh, very similar, uh, similar ways of thinking and assessing our situation here on this planet. Have you come to any uh, conclusions? <laughs> <'Cause>... 
<laughs> I'm looking for answers right now. So it'd be helpful. You have any wise advice or anything you learned from your your time here? Uh, I mean, you know, it's pretty pretty. Uh, the the you know the the questions deal with pretty existential type of uh, subjects uh, subject matter. So, but you're either the but Nomad, which is the name of the film, it it, it explores it really does explore your bond and and interestingly you didn't come up with the idea of doing this documentary right it was it was brought to no. you yes the bbc uh, approached me and they said it's gonna be the 40th uh, anniversary of bruce chatwin's death uh, and we want to make a film and we thought about you and i said to them fine yes i'm the only one who should do it <laughs> there's there's not much of a choice yeah right. And it, it, of course, it, I didn't have to do any research or anything. I um, I knew uh, I could do it from one day to the next. Not that I ever had planned it, but uh, the whole the whole <clears throat> uh, story or the whole relationship uh, was in in a way dormant in me. Mm -hmm. Do you think I, I only went back? And I reread one or two of his books. That was my only preparation. So, what, what's the process then? Once you decide you're going to take on the project, now, again, you, I say you decided, but it didn't sound like you had a choice in the matter. It was like this is your next project, Mr. Herzog. You know, but what, what's the next <clears throat> step? Uh, how do you then decide how you're going to lay out the film? Because it diverges into uh, different different areas. Um, you know, yeah. you described. Well, it's, uh, it sounds very banal, but it's practical steps. Uh, I decided I would shoot in Australia, where we actually met, and where he had done his research for the book on Aborigines, Songlines. And um, I knew I was going sooner or later, or very soon I was going to shoot in Tokyo, for my feature film, Family Romance, LLC. And in order to save from flight distances, uh, I decided I would film in uh, Japan and from Japan fly to Northern Australia and then shoot in Central Australia. So it, it was practicalities. Otherwise I would have had to cross the Pacific back to Los Angeles and then cross the Pacific all uh, once again. Right, well, it's not uh, that different than the way people shoot narrative films, right? If you're, you don't shoot in order because you're, you have maybe access to certain people or places uh, only uh, for yes. a limited amount of time, right? So this was uh, the more practical approach to it. But do you plot it out like in, um, I don't know, I, I, I don't always jot down my questions, but I was kind of a little bit intimidated uh, in, in the best of ways, you know, so I wanted to make sure I at least I had some things to refer to. I didn't want long, awkward pauses with you. So I, I, I plotted out on post-its, uh, you know. No, I, I never appear um, on a set with uh, a catalog of questions, including, by the way, with uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. Yeah, that was a, oh. That and was a, and oh, he immediately noticed that I was a paperless, <laughs> yeah. a paperless man sitting across from him. 
and he he quickly realized that I was more a poet. Uh, I said I'm not a journalist, and I'm not a historian. Yeah, but um, of course I've done my homework. I had read his autobiography, and I had read uh, quite a few things, I even transcripts of um, sessions of the Supreme Soviet <laughs> that are uh, that are free for of. You can access some of it now, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I knew I, I knew a lot, but I didn't want to to approach him uh, with a catalogue of questions and rattle down things, and that would be that. I kept the door open for surprises. Same thing with uh, Chatwin in, in being in Australia or being in Patagonia, where I also filmed, or being in France. Uh, uh, I just <clears throat> just went in with a very, very lively curiosity. And that was basically that. And that leads you uh, to surprising, to surprising moments that you do not find. Yeah. When you, yeah. <laughs> no, you don't have to destroy it. <laughs> I, mean, I sort of, maybe you've had an impression. Yeah. And, and I, 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 when I'm talking to people, I usually, I think you do your preparation, right? And you know the subject matter. You're already passionate about it. Yeah. And then you just go in and you listen and you let this take some sort of organic shape, hopefully. Yeah. So it's typically the way I do it. Maybe you watching your films over the years has had some sort of impact on somebody like myself, where I typically do that. And But I, I did want to scratch down some, some notes anyway, because... Um, yeah. Although you did sit with Gorbachev, and that's pretty intimidating, but um, not, not at all because not for you. he radiates a warmth. Yes, he does, and it comes intelligence uh, that is uh, very captivating. So there's, uh, it was rather me who was kind of intimidating for him, if if at all. He had apparently seen some of my films. Oh yeah, and, and he um, he uh, he knew uh, I was not gonna do the small talk. Right. And, and it was also clear for, me, for him that um, it was uh, probably the last uh, major occasion where he would uh, speak uh, to, to a camera or to speak to uh, any uh, journalist, for example. He would not, that, he, he knew that was his final big sort of um, statement. And actually, he hasn't done much. Very, very sporadically small about small questions that came up and he would uh, issue one or two sentences. But that was basically that. Mm. The warmth comes through. I was very moved by that film. But, you know, like I'm, I'm prone to we, we knew We knew of each other that we had a similar upbringing. Both of us uh, very, very far out yeah. Outside of the metropolis in, in the utmost province. He near the Caucasus, I'm the Bavarian mountains. And that both of us uh, were hungry as children. We knew what, what that meant. And we had seen destroyed cities that normally, for example, Americans have not seen that on their soil. And on and on, so many, many things that... Uh, were not dissimilar. Yeah, the yeah the blight 
we see more kind of blight in our uh, some cities that have gone through really yeah. harsh times. I mean, uh, I was once going to, I, I guess it had been many years since I'd been to Baltimore and I was taking a, one of these buses from New York City to Baltimore and I was going through there and I'm from New York City. And so I've seen a lot, you know, over the years, I lived through the seventies and eighties in New York. And, but when I got to Baltimore, it was, uh, I was ast very astonished where I'd see some, sometimes block after block of, you know, a shell of what was once probably a great part of the city, you know, but had succumbed to real, real difficult times over the years. Yeah, um, but it's a different, yeah, it's a different type of destruction. Doesn't of course, bomb really into into oblivion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, again, it's called. What's the full title? I don't want to leave out. It's called Nomad. The new, your new documentary. It's called Nomad. And it's, uh, believe, see, I threw away my notes now, but I believe it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's the August 21st. It was delayed, I, obviously. Uh, I, yes, of course. We, August 26th. Excuse me, it's August 26th. At, yeah, we, we plan to uh, do it in, I think, April or so, the opening. But of course, two premieres of mine couldn't take place because of the coronavirus. And I had... Uh, to postpone a workshop in the jungle of... Oh, I see. Our place of meeting was in the jungle of Amazonia, actually in the country of Colombia. Mm -hmm. And that was meant for end of April, beginning of May. In Col Colombia, the entire Amazon region is very, very severely hit. So uh, that is um, postponed without a clear... Sure. Uh, when we are going to do it. And uh, as is production, did you say that you also had a feature? Pardon? You said, you, did you say before you also had a narrative film that is getting closer to release? Did you say that or did I mishear something? Well, two, two films. I actually have three films. One is uh, on Gorbachev, one is Bruce Chatwin, one is uh, Family Romance, LLC, which was released now on this streaming platform, uh, MUBI, M-U-B-I. Yeah, sure, I know that. Yeah. And, and I have yet another new film which will be released uh, on um, Apple streaming. Sure. On November 13th. And it will be shown in a few days, or in two weeks or so, in, um, in Toronto. Oh, right. Uh, wait, so, so, okay, so, uh, but the Gorbachev, that was not, never... Let's let's not let's not count what I couldn't show. Let's focus on. I no agree. It's going to be out. No, no, and I totally yes. That's reasonable. That's a reasonable yeah. request. But uh, the just 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 so I understand also the Gorbachev though that the Gorbachev uh, 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 that film was never released. It was yes. It was okay. Uh, it right. was yeah, and and yeah, that Um. I think it will be released on, on History Channel. Oh, okay. In the United States, yeah. yeah. But it was released theatrically and it was shown and in various festivals in various countries. Right. And on TV, including, by the way, in Russia. It was shown on Russian TV. What was their, what was their response it, there? Pardon? Very, know? very favorable. Very great warm applause for Gorbachev. Very clearly... And um, um, he's not forgotten, although um, 
he has a difficulty that some of the some Russians believe that he was a traitor, giving up the Soviet Union for free. And I guess anyway, it's it's a completely different subject. Let's not. Yeah, um, but thank you for, for humoring me anyway about that. Uh, speaking of showing the film, though, how was the BBC's response after assigning you this uh, project to uh, make the film? Did, were they, very, they, they were obviously very pleased. And also, yes. what about his widow? Uh, I did not speak to her after the film was finished, but I know from BBC people showed her the film and she liked it. Mm-hmm. She gave the film the blessing. She she was worried. Did you have any um, concern or trepidations about talking to her? You know, while you were no, not at all. We always had some very very sporadic contact. Uh, but um, the the difficulty with uh, his widow was that uh, she um, sometimes didn't remember uh, important things. Sometimes she didn't remember details and I just had to to feed her and, and ah yeah she said ah was it like that way I said yes because I have a letter from Bruce from that very day or so so it, it was not easy to um, to um, get some some uh, lively some lively accounts out of her it was more like a feeling a, a general feeling of loss which comes across very nicely. Sure, right. A little bit of melancholy or... Yes, yes. Something. Yeah, again, that's true. But for, the, for the details of biography or so, his biographer, Nicholas Shakespeare, was much better. He had researched his life and his writings for eight years and, and worked on his biography for many, many years. So he, he's a walking encyclopedia. Right. When did that come out? When when was that published? I don't know, about yeah, three, four years or so. Okay. So not that long ago, right? So Yeah. It's yeah. a definitive, a definitive biography of uh, Bruce Chatwin. Yeah. And uh, so, again, uh, the, the film is coming out on, on August 26th, in, I guess, in virtual cinemas. Yes. Which is a good... A, a good... Uh, thing uh, when most of the theaters are closed, but I think, isn't it being shown at the Film Forum? Yes, it is. New York and some, yeah. Exclusively on that day, right, on the 26th through whatever, mm-hmm. I guess, at least. Yes, I, I think uh, Film Forum has been very loyal to my movies. Yeah. Uh, they have a very loyal audience for my films, but of course you cannot fill the theater. I think they have restrictions and they have to keep two thirds empty or something like that. But still, still it is, it is wonderful that they are showing the film. Yeah, and um, I, I'm gonna, I urge people to, to see it. Well, first of all, to uh, support the film is, you know, it's, it's a figure who I know I've read song lines back in the, I think in the late eighties when it came out. And, um, I, I, you know, so I think it's a great subject, and uh, I'm, I was very moved by your friendship with him. It, it, you know, it, not only does he come to life, but your relationship, as an extension of that, comes to life in the film. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, and I got a lot more understanding of what makes you tick, actually, I think, from watching, yeah. you know. Did you? And I, I try to, um, to do certain service to him. Yeah. When I read a text, I read a long passage of a text with my voice, and I do it because he didn't read it. Well, for example, he would read almost uh, the entire book of... Um, uh, in Patagonia, and um, but certain passages he didn't. So I would read some excerpt of, for example, song lines. I read the end of song lines, which he hadn't done. And um, although his voice, his physical voice, was very, very different from mine, doesn't matter. I give it a gravitas, and I give it an enthusiasm, and. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I um, give it its proper size. And people ask, uh, didn't you have any, any qualms? Did you have, didn't you have any pro uh, problems just to pretend to be Chatwin? No, I don't pretend to be Chatwin. I'm, I'm just me. And I read for him, period. Mm -hmm. Were you aware that you, through, through telling his story, that more people also gain more information about you uh, or more of an inside perspective to what makes you tick as well does is that yeah and and ultimately you see uh, i always hope that uh, seeing the film would trigger some of the audiences oh my goodness i should buy let's say song lines or mm -hmm. black hill or in patagonia i should yeah. I should read his books if if a single book is sold more because of the film, I have achieved what, what I should have done. Yeah. And, and, and his books do not age. The books do not age. It's very, very significant what he wrote. And, and of course, uh, In Patagonia has become a, a classic. It's among Penguin classics and has sold a million, a million copies and yeah. keeps selling at a steady pace. And it's, uh, his stuff is in for the very, very long haul. He's the quintessential travel writer. I mean, and no, far no, more than, no, that's no, almost reductive. No, 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 wrong. He's not a travel writer. Yeah, no, it's, it's that's, that's has been a mistake, which has limited the, the view, the scope of what he has done. Let me rephrase. He was en route, he was en route in Patagonia in Australia, God knows where, in Prague, in Africa, but he's not a travel writer. Uh, his his, uh, his uh, scope of view of the world is way, way beyond travel. It's a, it's a very superficial idea to name him, and he hated, you see, uh, Chatwin once said, I would, I would hate when I'm dead, I would hate to see, for example, in Patagonia next to uh, in the in the travel literature next to uh, Thailand on five dollars a day. You see, if that happens, something is wrong. It belongs. It belongs to the great classic literature. Well, I'm glad I, I I'm glad I said it that way because it gave you the opportunity to uh, set the correction straight for the record. You know, I okay. I know I knew I that. Protest. I have to protest. Uh, I appreciate it. it. No, I appreciate it. It happens quite often that you that you see him labeled as a as a travel writer. It's totally wrong. It's only a very very superficial. 
very superficial point of view. It's a shorthand, but the problem is it conveys the wrong idea to people who really aren't familiar with what he's doing and what he's, yeah. or what he's accomplished. And what right. For example, Joseph Conrad was not a travel writer. That's true. Although it's about the Congo uh, and he writes about East Asia and nor is Hemingway a travel writer, although he wrote about bullfights in Madrid and about the Civil War and about Italy and about... Cuba and about he's not Hemingway is not a travel writer either. Nor are you. I mean, nor Maria. Yeah. You know. Do you know how much more time we have? I just want to make sure I don't run uh, abuse your uh, your time at all. And no, it's okay. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, I, I, I your question. Yeah. Oh, I was just going. You know, um, I was just going to bring up since we have some extra time, maybe a little extra time one or two things uh first of all my uh my parents you know um and i lost my father not so long ago so it especially resonates but when i was growing up they you know my first real interest in films came as a result of my parents interests that's not so unusual uh but that was like the first wave and they were so interested in you know you were making at the time Fitzcarraldo and aguirre and so many of your classic so they were I just remember them coming home from the movies and having seen your films um, in my in my youth and being so excited so they introduced me to your films and um, you know I only wish my father was here to uh, know that I ended up speaking with you finally and this... I'm sorry for your loss but I would like to salute him as the one who introduced you me to too. Some of my movies, but but there's one thing now different than when you started to see my films. Since quite a few, maybe fifty, maybe fifty-five of my films, you can find on uh, on the internet, right. not only in streaming but also DVDs and what you you just name it, uh, collections of uh, films and the, my films are there. Today uh, is they are available. For everyone, I get mail, very excited mail of 15-year-olds who discover it. Oh. Missoula, Missoula, Montana, or in India, in Chennai, in India, or young people in Chile, or in Brazil. And, and they are between 15 and 17 who are the most excited. And they let all their friends know via internet right sure, all sure. of a sudden uh, things are things are very very present on the internet and it's the very young ones well, and they they discover my films and they discover films uh, that i made when their parents were not even born yet exactly well how do you know that about that particular demographic or that age group how did you find they, out they, they, they write to me they sent they sent me emails how did they know how to reach you? It's very easy to find me. You just Google my name and my website comes up. Okay. And there's a, an email address and a mailing address and uh, all my films listed and photos you can download. And uh, yeah. so, and you can order films if you uh, cannot find a film like, let's say, Little Dita Needs to Fly just send an email to my office and they'll send it to you. However, they will charge you for burning the DVD and sending it. Yeah. Oh. Very little money. 
Wow, um, that's great to know. My son is is right in that age group, actually. He's 16, so yeah. he's I got to introduce him. Do you have a recommendation for my son Jacob? Like, if he was to start to see uh, to introduce him to his first Werner Herzog film. Show him uh, the Enigma of Caspar Hauser. That's maybe maybe Akira, the Wrath of God. Oh, that's intense. Or, or for example, um, yeah, there's a real classic which wasn't done very long time ago. Uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, that, that's that's the right film for. For young people, it's it, it has a very very sharp edge. It's true. It's true. I saw. So, uh, sorry, I have to turn off. No problem. Just one second. It's my wife. Oh sure. She's taking. Ah uh, yes, hello. I'm uh, in the interview, sweetie. All right. So, all right, I'm going to start him on, on those films, as you suggest. He's coming back. He's yeah, in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, there's, there's plenty, plenty of films. You right. pick anywhere and you will always strike gold. Well, the irony <laughs> is he probably will want... <laughs> joking. <laughs> it's a, right, whatever vein I strike, um, yeah. gold. well, he'll probably want to watch The Mandalorian or something, so he won't know who you are. Oh, wait a minute, you're in that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, this is something I would only ask you, but you can say no. Yeah. But, you know, some people also know you for your, uh, your Bavarian accent, your, 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 uh, your voice, right? Yeah. So uh, would you, it would be such a kick for me if you, if you don't mind. And if you say no, again, I won't be offended. But if you do like one of those uh, kind of like IDs for my show, is that a possibility? No, let's not do it. But... Um... Um, what you uh, what you do not fully understand it's not just my accent. I know my voice has become uh, some sort of a, a signature, but because of the uh, of the content, because of of the kind of things that I'm saying, and I wrote, uh, for example, commentaries in the film that you can find on Netflix on volcanoes, and at the end I'm saying. <clears throat> And I'm saying things that you would never ever find or hear in a documentary uh, done by National Geographic. They wouldn't allow such a thing at all. And I'm saying, uh, for example, at the end of the film, the lava which is boiling inside of our planet uh, wants to burst forth and destroy the world. But uh, it is monumentally indifferent, and now I say it, it's mon the, the, the lava under us, it's monumentally indifferent to uh, scurrying roaches, retarded reptiles, and vapid humans alike. And it startles everyone, because such a thing you have never heard in a documentary. Speaking of... of Scarring roaches, retarded reptiles, and vapid humans alike. And, um, and uh, people, of course, I say it with my accent. I say it with my accent, and, uh, um, but it's a content. It's a content which uh, 
is a remarkable part of it. I know that. I understand. And so I am. I'm honored just to have you decline my my request. Uh, so don't worry about that. I'm. I'm. I'm yeah. I was really happy not only for you to do this. This take your the time out of your schedule out of the day to do this, yeah. uh, but uh, just to have had seen actually seen probably every film over the years. Because if you've seen a few, you got to see them. In a way, you're going to be curious. You, it's uh, yeah. it's not just about trying to cross every one of your films off of the list. It's not about that, but it's about seeing how you will surprise me or move me again and how you're going to accomplish that. So, you know, that's why I've see, probably seen just about everything you've done. Yeah. Uh, it's too many anyway. It's a bit, it's a bit, but I'm, 50, I'm 56 years old. Uh, I've had time to do it. And um, I, uh, there have been moments which uh, have been really life-changing when I talk about like a, a, a film. So, you know, for instance, in Grizzly Man, and I'll conclude with this because I don't want to yeah. abuse our time, but uh, when, when you, we, when we cut to you and you're listening to the audio, um, what was what was uh, Grizzly Man the, the Grizzly Man the name again? I'm just blanking. What was his name? Um, I'm putting you on the spot. Timothy uh, Treadwell. Treadwell. Tread yeah. yeah. And we're you're listening, and we just see your response to it. That you is do terrifying. Not, no, no, you do not see my response because you see me only from behind. And back. And we're looking at someone. The response, you see the response of the woman who lived with Treadwell for a while and co-founded Grizzly People, and she tries to read from my face. Right. When, uh, uh, what what my emotions are, what I'm hearing, mm. yeah. and <clears throat> I had to address it. I wouldn't have done it because everyone, the production company, the TV network and the theatrical distributor, uh, Lionsgate, demanded that I had to address it and I had to play it in the film. And I said, now I'm going to listen to it and then I will make my decide. And against all pressure from all sides, I declined to have it in the film, but I'm addressing the issue. It's so it you won't see me. Right. Do not see me. It was I was forced to be somehow for thirty seconds in the film. But did she? Did you say from behind? And then you you recommended to her. Unless again, I could be wrong. But you said don't. You you tried to. You tried to. You recommended she did not. Should not listen to it. I uh, I even said to her, which was in the shock uh, of the moment, a stupidity. She should destroy it, which she actually slept over it and didn't do. She simply uh, separated herself from the tape and put it into a bank uh, safe deposit box. Right. So it's not, it's not at arm's length, day in, day out, next to her, next to her chair. So that was wise. And, and in, in a shock of a moment, I'm saying something, something which uh, was, was kind of stupid. But she prevailed, and that's wonderful. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very fine movie. Yeah, I and, agree. And, and Nomad, I'm really proud of the film. You should be very proud. Yeah, I want people to see it. Uh, the full title is Nomad in the Footsteps of Bruce Chatwin. 
And um, if you can, uh, at, on April 8th, uh, no, excuse me, that was the original day, April 26th, you can go to filmforum.org, film or is it Filmforum NYC? I, you can Google it, though. <laughs> it, I'll have it in my, and I'll have it in the notes yeah. for the show, but you yeah. can screen it virtually off of their site. You'll be supporting independent film, uh, and uh, you'll be supporting uh, uh, an independent film organization like Film Forum, which probably desperately yeah. needs the support at this point. Um, yeah, it's a wonderful theater and the wonderful people behind it. They really mean it, and they are out there to show it. Exactly. Um, and they they went out of their way to make this happen today. So I have an, yet another reason to be grateful, let alone all the wonderful hours I've spent there yeah. watching. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank uh, you for the time you took. And same to you. All right. All right. Thank you. Goodbye and all the best in your exile. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a good day. This is Timothy's camera. During the fatal attack, there was no time to remove the lens cap. Jewel Palavac allowed me to listen to the audio. I hear rain and I hear Amy, get away, get away, go away. <laughs> Truly, you must never listen to this. I know, Werner, I'm never going to. And you must never look at the photos that I've seen at the coroner's office. I will never look at them. Yeah. They said it was bad. Now you know why no one's gonna hear it. I think you you should not keep it. You should destroy it. Yeah. I think that's what you should do. Okay. Because it will be the white elephant in your room all your life. Thank you for that. I hope you uh, know that I don't mind being corrected. I don't mind being um, chastised to some degree. I really don't. Not by somebody who I respect, and I don't think it was coming from <laughs> a critical place. He just wants to be clear about certain things and, and make certain points, and I was only too happy to accommodate. So I thank uh, the folks at Film Forum for helping set that up. I thank uh, Mr. Herzog himself. Uh, we'll be back in a few days. The next episode is with my friend, the musician, the designer, the author, Jim Infantino. If you have not ever heard of uh, Jim's band, Jim's Big Ego, go check them out. He's only written one science fiction. It's going to be the first in a series. It's called uh, The Wakeful Wanderer's Guide to New New England and Beyond. We'll be bringing Jim on 
the next episode for a nice long conversation. So until then, take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Broken lines, broken strings, 